0: seconds to go. James, a buzzer beater. You bet! They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry! Way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Look out. Ademeyer on the pick. Oh. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into the half-court shot. I am your host, Harris Rubenstein. Happy, as always, to bring you some of the best NBA content anywhere out there. You can go follow me on Twitter, at Sportstein, for all your NBA news and updates. Want to thank the Dash Radio Nothing But Net channel for letting us broadcast our show here for you guys. We're really excited to be part of the Dash Radio family. If you missed me yesterday on Friday, the first episode of my Celtic show, Hanging Banner 18, went live at 2 p.m. Eastern time. This show live now, Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be live from here on out through the rest of the NBA season. So we hope that you guys choose the nothing but net dash radio channel. All right, we got a lot of great things on the docket today for the show going to go through the all-star voting, going to go through the starters, and then to give you guys my picks for the reserves, and also what I think of the starters and whether or not they are worthy in the eyes of the great half-court shot. And then after that, we're going to go through whether or not this James Harden scoring run, despite how legendary it may seem on the front, whether or not it's actually going to matter versus the James Harden offensive performance of last year, and how the Rockets game plan could change once Chris Paul returns. And Last but certainly not least, we're going to preview the huge game that we have going on tonight. The Celtics taking on the Golden State Warriors, the first matchup between these two teams of the season. Going to be great time on ESPN. So without further ado, let's get right into the half-court shot here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. All right, let's start with the All-Star teams. Starting the East, East starters this year, Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker taking over the two guard spots and then the forward spots because, remember, there's no centered spot anymore. It's Giannis, Kawhi, and Embiid. Now, in terms of the East starters, I don't really have a huge issue with them. I think the Kemba one is probably the one that's a little bit Of a head scratcher. However, I'm okay with him being a starter. I think it should have been Oladipo, if Oladipo obviously didn't go down with that horrific knee injury. But Kemba really has been one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. Started off the year really hot. It's kind of faded over the past couple of weeks. He had an ankle injury where he tweaked and he just hasn't really looked the same ever since. But and, you know, Kemba Walker being a first-time All-Star starter doesn't bother me. Not going to keep me up at night. Certainly something that is a great accomplishment for him in his career as notoriously one of the most underrated players that the NBA has to offer today. So good for Kemba Walker getting into the All-Star spot, or the starter spot, I should say. Again, probably should have been Oladipo, but with the Oladipo injury, eh, I'm, I'm not really too bothered by it. Like I said, it's not going to keep me up too late at night. Let's go to the West. Steph Curry, James Harden, your starting guards for the Western Conference All-Star team. Remember, these are just the Western Conference starters, which means they're still going to go through the draft, so they're not actually starting for the Western Conference, but you know what I mean. Our forwards this year, no true center Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Paul George—your three starters at the forward spot. Again, I don't have a huge issue with this. Again, I know they—if sw- you know—if they didn't do the, the forward thing versus center thing, we probably would have gotten an Anthony Davis or a Nikola Jokic in the starting lineup, maybe even a Rudy Gobert, depending on how people voted. But with the whole forwards versus center thing, we only get the forwards this year, and th- the. The combination of Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Paul George as all-star starters, again, is not something that I think is going to keep anyone up at night. You know, LeBron, despite the injury, it's LeBron, whatever. Durant's actually having a pretty fantastic season, though. Durant has officially entered the category of all-time great players that we just forget about. Like, we look at the numbers and we're like, yeah, that's just what he does. So, we don't really look at Kevin Durant on a season-to-season basis and say, oh my god, he's having this godly season because he plays for the Warriors, but he's actually having one of the best seasons of his career this year. And then, of course, Paul George, who... You know, Talking about best seasons of their career, this is the best season of Paul George's career in my opinion. Based off the expectations, the competition around him, the team he's currently on, this to me is the most impressive season that we've seen from Paul George. And the one concerning thing, and Bill Simmons has brought this up on his podcast before, is how long it physically took Paul George to get back from that gruesome injury that he had a couple years ago. Five seasons now since that injury, and finally we're seeing what peak Paul George can look like uninhibited by any sort of, not just a physical You know implications of that injury but also the mental implications of that injury and I'm sure he probably got over that a couple seasons ago I'm not saying that's still lingering 5 years along the road but seeing him get to this point at this age after that injury is incredibly inspiring especially for the likes of a a Gordon Hayward who had that devastating injury last year and is working to get himself back to where he needs to be for this Celtics team so those are your starters for both the East and the West again just one more time quickly Kemba, Kyrie, Giannis Kawhi and Embiid in the East, Step. Durant, LeBron, Paul George, and James Harden in the West. So those are your starters. Let's go through the reserves. These are going to be my picks. Obviously, we're not going to know about them until the end of the weekend. So just for now, take them with a little bit of a grain of salt. Take them as you will. I think overall, the the rosters that we have this year for, for the All-Star uh, teams are pretty... Obvious if you just kind of you know use a little bit of brain power and kind of poke through some of the more difficult uh, questions. So for me, the Eastern Conference is actually quite simple. So it's going Ben Simmons going to get one of the spots. He's had a great year. Oladipo, despite the injury, he'll get in probably replaced by a Kyle Lowry or Eric Bledsoe. After that, I have Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Vucevic. Those are my All Stars in the Eastern Conference. I don't think there are too too many guys who you look at it and you're like Especially in the East, this guy has to be a starter. Like he, he has to be an All Star reserve. Like there just aren't a ton of guys in the East, at least, that are going to end up kind of having that concept. Now the West is a wholly different story, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But for me, I just can't really see a ton of guys in the Eastern Conference who you'd put over the guys I said. I've seen a couple websites say that maybe in the East, you know, we should see like an Eric Bledsoe or a Kyle Lowry. Like they might be able to get in. As you know, or reserve, you know, making up for all the depot's injury, but I don't know. I mean, Kyle Lowry and Eric Bledsoe haven't exactly been, you know, over the top amazing players this year. Like Lowry's been okay with Kawhi this year. I mean, his numbers are down across the board. Eric Bledsoe, for me, is still. One of the weirdest trades of the NBA of at least the past decade. I have no idea, like I, I get why in theory the Bucks made that trade, but the, the 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 fit just doesn't make a lot of sense and still now two seasons in, it still doesn't make a ton of sense and the fit still is a little bit awkward. Eric Bledsoe a nice player by himself, but I don't think he's at anywhere close to a quote-unquote all-star level season at all. It's just, I just don't really see how you can make the argument for that. Couple other guys in the in the East that you could consider. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's had a really good season with the Nets. However, he's a guy who, how do I put this? Advanced statistics hate D'Angelo Russell, but conventional statistics love him. So points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, shooting percentage—they all favor D'Angelo Russell. But player efficiency rating, real plus minus, all these other efficiency statistics, they do not like D'Angelo Russell. And that's one of the reasons why I'm still wary of saying, yeah, D'Angelo Russell has found his place in the NBA. I I just don't really see it. Pascal Sycom is probably... The guy who is the best chance out of the people who I didn't mention of getting in. He's had a fantastic season. It's slowed down a little bit down the stretch, but the the whole Raptors team, while they're still playing well, the NBA has kind of forgotten about them. This is the time of the year where we forget about all the small market Eastern Conference teams and only focus on the big market teams because the Super Bowl is coming. It's hard to convince the sports world to care about the Toronto Raptors in January, but Psycom is an option. John Collins hasn't really played enough games. Uh, Chris Middleton's having a nice season, but I don't think it's all star level. So, bonus would be a fun one, but I don't think you can take a, a bench player and put him in the all star game. I don't know the last time that that has happened where a guy who is specifically a bench player ends up on the all star team. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. So, Eastern Conference for me, again. Ben Simmons, Victor Oladipo, who will likely get replaced, Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, Bradley Beal, Nikola Vucevic, and I think Jason Tatum ends up with that last spot, mostly because I think he has a lot of respect around the league, especially from the media. Players didn't vote him too highly. I think it's because you know he's young, and I think a lot of NBA players get kind of jealous when they see a young player playing really well. So Jason Tatum, for me, does get that last spot. He has done a lot of things quietly for the Celtics to keep their heads above water this year. Let's go to the West. This is a little bit easier, or, or should I say a little bit harder? I, I can't really decide because it's it's both in a lot of ways. Because the West is so many star players that you can never, you can't technically be wrong about your All Star Reserve picks. So for me, Anthony Davis has to be in there. So does Karl Anthony Towns. Those are two of the best centers in the NBA. And then Nikola Jokic, who as of right now is my first team All NBA center. I love Anthony Davis. He's amazing. Jokic has been better and has his team. It's just That's just how this season has gone. So those three are definitely in. Davis, Towns, and Jokic. Definitely for me. Going to the guard side, Westbrook and Lillard for me are also going to be in. I know that Westbrook, for whatever reason, people have convinced themselves that Russell Westbrook isn't good anymore. You guys are crazy. It's still Russell Westbrook. I know that his efficiency numbers are super, super down this year, but... It's still Russell Westbrook. He's still one of the 20 best players in basketball, and he, he deserves to be an all-star this year. I mean, no, the Oklahoma City Thunder have been good enough. Well, Russell Westbrook deserves enough credit. Uh, Lillard also, just because Lillard's having a really nice season. Portland, another team, kind of getting the the Milwaukee or the Toronto effect where it's January and nobody's thinking about small-market teams in the NBA. But Lillard's having a very nice season, as always, doing what he usually does. So the couple spots that we have that are left are coming down to a couple of very specific players. So here is the pool of players that I'm looking for for these for the last two spots. I'm looking at three players. Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, and Drew Holiday. Those are the three guys who I think in the West are up for those last two spots. Remember, 12 players get to go from each conference, and right now we're at 10. So one more time with those 10. Curry 1, Durant 2, James 3, Paul George 4, James Harden 5, Anthony Davis 6, Town 7, Jokic 8, Russell Westbrook 9, Lillard 10. So we've got two spots left. Number one spot I'm giving away, I I, I don't care. I'm, I'm tired of... Of you know this concept that like rookie shouldn't be in the All Star game, whatever. Luka Doncic, one hundred million percent needs to be an NBA All Star this year. Not just for the way that he's been playing, but also for the international health of the game. This dude is a superstar, not just in this country but around the world. He's one of the biggest names in basketball. Right now, there's a reason that he had the second most votes in the Western Conference among players. There's a reason for that. It's because he's insanely popular, and that kind of attention is definitely something that the NBA can bank on. Luka has to be in, in he has to be in that game. He has to be. It's gonna give people another reason to actually watch. We get to watch Luka Doncic on the floor at the same time with LeBron James, Giannis Kawhi, and Kemba Walker. Like th- this is gonna be an amazing place for the NBA to put their next great international star. It also is no surprise to me that the NBA has invited Dirk to take part in the three-point contest. Why? Well, the international community of the NBA is incredibly important to the front office. Wildly important to the league executives. They want to get that international market and the easiest ways to do that are to promote the three biggest international players of the past decade. Giannis, Dirk, And now Luka Doncic. Luka absolutely 100%. Has to, has to, has to be an all-star this year. Has to be. Last guy who I think should make it is Rudy Gobert. He's still one of the best defensive centers in basketball, and the reason I'm leaving out Drew Holiday, I do think that in a lot of ways, team success has a lot to do with kind of how we decide these all-star teams. Kemba Walker is kind of the exception to the rule, but he's just been so damn good this year. Drew Holiday is a very good player. He is one of the 10 best point guards in basketball and needs more respect around the league. However, this year, he simply has not been better than Luka Doncic, and those are the two guys that I'm comparing, seeing as they play on a similar part of the field, or a similar part of the court, excuse me. So, I'm going to go with Luka and Rudy Gobert on my last two spots of the Western Conference All-Star Reserve, so... Without further ado, the great unveiling of Harris Rubenstein's All-Star rosters. Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Giannis Kawhi and Embiid in the East. On the bench, Ben Simmons, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Vucevic. That is your Eastern Conference All-Star Reserves. And then in the West, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Paul George, James Harden as your starters. And then Anthony Davis, Karl-Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, and Rudy Gobert. Those... Are your projected all star reserves? You guys are listening to the Nothing But Net Dash Radio channel. I want to thank you guys for coming along with me today. Huge game coming up tonight. The Celtics taking on the Golden State Warriors on ESPN. We're going to preview that game in just a little bit. But for now, while you're waiting, go follow me on Twitter at SportsDean. I'm going to keep you guys through everything going on in the NBA this season. All right, let's jump over now to the conversation I wanted to have about James Harden. So, the season that James Harden is having is, once again, causing a lot of... uh, Bad tension in the NBA, you know, there's a lot of people arguing that, you know, this is the most incredible offensive season we've ever seen, holy cow, he's a monster, this is ridiculous, and then there's this whole other side of the NBA media that's like, well it doesn't matter because he, you know, he doesn't do anything in the playoffs and he runs out of steam and blah blah blah, it, it, it is all part of the same argument, you're all arguing about th- the same concept at the end of the day. Here are the facts of the situation, okay? Here are the facts. Fact number one, James Harden is having one of the best offensive seasons in the history of the NBA. Fact. Fact number two, he is doing all of this without the other two best players on the Houston Rockets currently playing. No Chris Paul, no Clint Capella, and that alone is wildly impressive. Three, it is very okay of you to say I don't think that this scoring run is going to last, and I think that the effort that James Harden is putting in now could end up hurting him in the playoffs. That is also valid, seeing as that has happened, oh goodness, for the past three consecutive seasons. So all three of those things can be true, while we also accept the fact that, good lord, James Harden is probably the fourth best player in basketball right now. Maybe 5th? I mean, it really depends on how you rank the players in the NBA. I mean, this season, I think it's hard to argue against James Harden being the best player in the NBA. I know since he's gone to this crazy run that the Rockets' record hasn't really been that good. But what this James Harden run has done for Rock, for the Rockets, besides you know, win them games, he's stabilized the franchise. They're stable now. Because remember, this was a team that started off the season... So unbelievably cold. They could not get anything to fall. They were losing games left and right. And now if you look at them, all of a sudden things are a little bit more stable. There's a positive spin being thrown around the Houston Rockets. Chris Paul is coming back. Clint Capella is coming back. The tone and the feel of the Houston Rockets is much better than it was two months ago. So this run by James Harden, while on a a, a legendary scale, yes, it, you know, it's going to go down in history as one of the great all-time seasons. But remember, this is a this is an NBA where we put every single little thing under a microscope. And that can kind of cause us to question all-time great accomplishments even if they are things that we have never seen before. My point in all this with James Harden Despite the the numbers that he doesn't get points off assists, which, by the way, is wrong. The NBA does not know how to track assists. It has had a huge problem over the past three years, please. Go on Twitter, look up James Harden assists, and you'll see everyone throwing out videos like, hey, isn't this an assist? This is right in the middle of the 116-game spree where you said that none of his shots were unassisted. A lot of James Harden's game is iso ball, but there is a certain power and a certain value in the NBA to bringing stability to a franchise there's only about five five maybe maybe five of those guys in the NBA LeBron James obviously I think that's an easy one Steph Curry probably you know pretty good stabilizer Harden is now easily one of those I don't think you can put Anthony Davis in that category, seeing as even if he's been healthy or hurt, they've been able to do nothing in terms of accumulating big amounts of wins or making it far in a playoff series. Like, I understand Anthony Davis is a great player, but in terms of stabilizing a franchise, I don't really know how much Anthony Davis has done in comparison to the other biggest stars. So let's look around the NBA. What are some other big time stars that have stabilized franchises? Giannis has certainly done that the past two seasons, becoming one of the best players in the NBA, but also allowing for them to be a great piece to build around him. And once they got the coach figured out, yeah, it was pretty easy to see the stability that Giannis was bringing to the table. So there's four. And then one more guy. This one's a little bit tougher I'm going to bank on Nikola Jokic here, because we're finally starting to see what can happen when you have that stable player in the middle and can build around him correctly. Now, you might be yelling at me and saying, well, why is Nikola Jokic one of these stabilizing players and Anthony Davis isn't? For me, that's a fair argument. Just just more of a personal thing where I think Anthony Davis, as great as he is and as legendary as he is, I don't think I'd ever bank on him being the guy to take me to a finals whereas I think Nikola Jokic can be that guy I think he can be the number one on a team whereas I think Anthony Davis needs more help Nikola Jokic and his ability to basically run an entire offense by himself from the center position it just gives a little bit more of a stable feeling so When you have those kinds of guys, it allows you to go through rough patches and get out of them a lot quicker. And I think so much about this Rocket season has been, you know, we we forget about what the start of the season looked like and we're so obsessed with what's happening with James Harden right now. This team was an absolute mess no little than a month ago. A month ago, the Houston Rockets were a mess. They were barely in the playoff hunt a month ago. But now, despite the fact that they haven't been winning a ton of games, you know what they do have now? They have a floor. They have something to build off of and go into the rest of the season once a Chris Paul comes back once a clinkcapella comes back and that kind of structure and that kind of stability is what gets you far in the playoffs. The Houston Rockets as of right now are 27 and 20. They've been frankly pretty inconsistent during this crazy James Harden run. They're only about 6 and 4 or 5 and 5. But again, we forget What this Rocket team was through about the first 30 games of the season. They were 11 and 14 after 25 games. A team that won 60 games last year was the number one team in the West, was 11 and 14 after 25 games. Now, after this James Harden crazy run that he's been on, they are now 27 and 20. The ability of James Harden to stabilize this franchise and give them a floor to go off of for the rest of the season is the most impactful thing about this scoring streak that nobody is talking about. I don't care about personal accomplishments right now. The, the MVP is going to be given out in in months. We're, we're half a year away from the MVP given out. But where we are right now in January, this run has saved the Houston Rockets season. Saved it. Saved it. They were in the bottom half of the Western Conference. They were in. Te- they were in the mix with teams like the Timberwolves and the Mavericks and the Grizzlies. Now they're caught up in a mixture of teams like the Thunder, the Trailblazers, and the Spurs and the Jazz. I think what James Harden has done has meant more for the Houston Rockets as a franchise going forward than it has been for James Harden, the individual player. Because what he's been able to do, stabilizing the franchise, is something that so few players in the NBA can do that we don't even consider it a factor when evaluating players. Blake Griffin hasn't been able to do it in Detroit. John Wall hasn't been able to do it in Washington. Mello wasn't able to do it for all of those years in New York. It is hard to be the stabilizing factor for an NBA franchise. But James Harden has done it. James Harden is currently doing it, and he will continue doing it throughout the rest of the NBA season. Do I think the Rockets are going to make it to the finals? Hell no. The Golden State Warriors are going to the finals. It doesn't matter. But overall, going forward for the Rockets, this is what they need out of a guy that they gave $200 million for. I don't see Russell Westbrook doing this. I don't see John Wall doing this. I don't see Anthony Davis putting the team on his back like this. I see James Harden doing it. And despite what will end up being most likely another very disappointing playoff run for the Rockets, when James Harden runs out of steam because he's been running into people for six months trying to carry his entire franchise, we're going to look back and say, oh, this season was nothing for James Harden. But just think about what this season would have been without this run with James Harden. Just something to think about as you guys enter the weekend. You are listening to the Half Court Shot. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. Thank you guys for joining us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Go give us a follow at NB n radio on Twitter we will have the best content for you that you'll find out there in the NBA audio sphere. All right, we got about, I want to say six minutes left on the show here before I got to get the heck out of town and go get myself ready for this incredible Warriors and Celtics game that we have coming up tomorrow, or excuse me, tonight, I should say. So, without further ado, let's take our little magnifying glass and shine it on what everyone thought was going to end up being the finals matchup going into this season. So, that that's one of the funny things about this game going into it, is that, you know, it- it's kind of like what I talked about with the James Harden thing, we all, very, you know, the NBA media very much has short-term memory, and we like to forget about the predictions we made at the start of the year to not embarrass ourselves. But, Throw back a couple months and the Celtics and the Warriors were every single NBA media or just about every single NBA media member's pick in the NBA Finals this year. This was a game that everyone circled on their calendars at the start of the year until the Celtics decided to start the year 10 and 10. The Warriors started a little bit slow. They had a lot of infighting between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Where was Steph Curry? And Klay Thompson got off to the worst start of his career. It was a weird, weird start to the NBA season for both of these teams. But now as we stand here today, that weirdness has now turned into a lot of elite-level basketball. Mostly, the Boston Celtics have been a completely different team than they were at the start of the year. They are twenty and eight in their last twenty eight games. They have been fantastic since that awful ten and ten run. The offense is now ranking in the top ten in the NBA. They are third in the NBA in net ranking. The defense has come along to be one of the best units in the NBA. Al Horford is coming back healthy. Kyrie Irving is finally healthy. He's been dealing with stuff. Jalen Brown is finally getting his season off to a very good, you know, very slow start, but he is now starting to ramp it back up. This Celtics team, really, at the end of the day, just needed time to gel, and that really isn't that crazy of a concept once you kind of use your noggin and think, okay, what were the real chances, what were the real chances that this Celtics team re-adding Kyrie Irving to the mix after an entire, you know, playoffs you know entire playoff run without him what was it going to look like without a whole season of Gordon Hayward what was it going to look like adding another year onto the roles of a lot of the young players what is it going to look like when you start adding in the fact that Marcus Morris is on a, a contract season and a lot of the other guys are looking to make money at the end of this season what we should have expected is that this team was going to take time to gel. We all expected them. You know, the five All-Stars, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford. That was going to be the new All-Star five. But what really happened was they did not mix. They did not mix. And now we stand here with the Celtics. We'll get to the Warriors in a second. We stand here with the Celtics with a completely different starting lineup, with a completely different model of offense, but that same stingy defense that we've seen over and over and over again with Brad Stevens. The starting lineup is now Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. That lineup has done wonders for the Celtics in stabilizing their play and allowing them to get where they needed to be on a talent level. This team still in terms of overall talent, is still the second most talented team in the NBA. No team in basketball goes as deep as the Celtics do. They just don't. And I understand that, you know, sometimes in the playoffs it doesn't actually help because it is still a star-driven league, but go roster by roster. Just look them all down. No one still has as much depth as the Boston Celtics, despite their slow start to the season. But, They are now being faced with their biggest challenge of the year so far. They've done great so far this year against Toronto. They've split the series so far this year against the Bucs. They've had a couple of awesome games against the Pacers, though they are out of the picture now with Oladipo done. And the Celtics have, again, dominated the Philadelphia 76ers. So now they are faced with a game that no one could wait for. Here come the Golden State Warriors. Here's one problem. When the Warriors and the Celtics saw this game on the schedule, I guarantee you that neither team expected Boogie Cousins to be back by now. Remember, the initial report at the start of the season was that DeMarcus Cousins was likely going to be out until at least, at least, the trade deadline. But here we are, he came back two weeks later and now is in line to go up against the Celtics and what will also be the Warriors' maybe biggest game of the season so far. Big game on the road against the team that everyone said you're going up against in the NBA Finals. It's the team you've been getting asked about all season long. The Celtics, the Celtics, the Celtics, and here they come. The Warriors on a nine-game win streak going through a pretty Big-time road trip right now. Took on the Clippers and uh, the LA Lakers with their little LA trip. Now going out east, taking on the Wizards and the Celtics tonight. But this Warriors team on a nine-game win streak is so much different than the team that started this season with all those issues. Remember we talked about stabilizing? We talked about stabilizing with James Harden. This team has stabilized itself through Steph Curry. Steph Curry became the lead guy again, and everything just fell into place. Kevin Rant hasn't been, you know, complaining anymore. Klay Thompson's starting to get hot again. Draymond Green, despite the fact that he just can't shoot anymore, is back to being one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And, oh, yeah, here's DeMarcus Cousins, who's looked pretty damn good since he's come back. DeMarcus Cousins has looked, uh, dare I say, Uh, better than I think anyone could have expected him at this point already. In three games, he's averaged 20 minutes, 13 points per game, seven rebounds, four assists, with a player efficiency rating of 21. 21! That's not fair. Send him back. Make sure he's injured again. Like, it's just not fair. It's not fair. And that's one of the things I wanted to point out with this Celtics vs. Warriors matchup. It's futile. (laughs) It is futile. At the end of the day, no matter what the Celtics team tries to do, until Boogie and Kevin Durant inevitably leave this Warriors team this this offseason, they are not going to be able to beat the Warriors in a finals. Now, I think the Celtics could win this game. It's in Boston. The Celtics have always played them tough in the regular season. In fact, I don't think there's been a single team in the NBA who has played the Warriors tougher than the Celtics over the past couple of seasons, but that's besides the point. I think the Celtics are going to win this game. I think they're going to come out firing. Everyone's healthy for one of the first games all season since the first three weeks of the year. They've had a lot of injuries, whether it's Baines or Horford or Irving, you know, Jalen Brown, Like a couple people have missed a lot of games this year. Not right now. Everyone on this Warriors team is healthy, everyone on the Celtics team is healthy, and I'm excited to see what we're going to be able to get when we have two of not only the best, but two of the deepest and most talented teams that the NBA has seen in a very long time go head-to-head. We will have another one of these matchups in Golden State later in the year, but as of right now, give me the Boston Celtics. I think that they're going to come out firing in this game. These are the games that Kyrie Irving has always gotten up for, And I think that this is going to be a game that the Celtics are going to use as a springboard, again, using that term again, as a springboard to get into the rest of the season. Also, watch out for a trade at the deadline. But we'll cover that next week. want to thank you guys for tuning in to the Half Court Shot. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. Thank you guys for listening to us on the Nothing But Net Dash Radio channel. I will be back. Next Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern time for another episode of Hanging Banner 18. Don't forget to tune in on Saturdays at 2 p.m. for another episode of the Half Court Shot. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.